When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Now I am joined for the Financial Outlook for Private Investors by Russ Moe, Investment Director of AJL. We're going to look at uh, the business of investment from the point of view of the UK investor. And I suppose, Russ, the most important thing is we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon just after the Bank of England's uh, Monetary Policy Committee have decided not to do anything. Now, they're well used to doing that, but that isn't perhaps... I've had loads of, pra- had loads of practice. <laughs> so what was the phrase? What was the phrase? Studious, studious inactivity is my... Is that their own descri- phrase? No, or... that's my phrase. That's my right. preferred description of it. Um, so they, they, they last raised rates, I think, in July 2018 to three quarters of a percent. Um, then cut back to one point to 0.1% as the pandemic hit. And since then, it's been a record low interest rate all the way. And I think what slightly surprised people is that Governor Andrew Bailey and Chief Economist Hugh Pill had certainly been talking a tougher game in the run up to the meeting over the last month, talking about inflation. Maybe it wasn't that word transitory. It wasn't going to be quite as transitory as they thought. It might be a bit stickier and a bit higher for a bit longer. Um, and in the end, we've had, I think it was a 7-2 vote to leave interest rates unchanged and a 6-3 vote to leave quantitative easing unchanged. And both Mr. Biddy and Mr. Pill voted for studious inactivity. So having talked as tough game, they've decided not to move. And I, 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 I suspect that when the headlines come out in the papers, uh, there'll be references to being to Mr. Billy's predecessor, Mr. Mark Carney, the unreliable boyfriend, mm. as he was termed, because, again, he did the same thing. He made lots and lots of tough noises, but ultimately led people up the garden path and, and, and didn't really follow through on his talk. So in terms of market reactions, the big move has been sterling. That's gone down because people were maybe even wondering there could be a rate rise today. Um, and then you've already seen some of the interest rate sensitive sectors like house builders jump a little bit. Banks have gone up a little bit. So they've got, you know, so, so they're the ones that have, that have, that have moved. Um, now, it's one thing for the Bank of England monetary policy because you do nothing for year upon year upon year when we've had low interest rates and no prospect of inflation. But as we have talked so many times about over the past few months, there is inflation returning to the economy. Uh, the Bank of England clearly considers it is going to be transient. That, and that, will is, not last. that is that is still the view, and I think you know that they, they are still expressing concern about issues such as um, possible you know, variants of COVID as we go into winter, which I can understand. That still saying unemployment is higher than they would like, and we've still got people on furlough, and we don't know what's going to happen over the mm. winter. And they're still suggesting that you know that that you can. They're still you know arguing the price in oil could prove short-lived, and some of these bottlenecks in shipping and ports and logistics will eventually resolve themselves. And, and you, you can see, you can make the case for those arguments. The counter arguments to them are, well, I think one of the things that fascinates me is why is demand for, for, for stuff so strong when we're still staggering out of a, a pandemic? It's because there's been massive amounts of monetary and fiscal stimulus and people have been given effectively free money. You're not surprised they've gone out and spent it. So the counter argument to that is the reason that we've got these bottlenecks is, is not that supply has collapsed, 
because global semicond- semiconductors are in, are in, a, in a shortage, right? Mm. Global semi- silicon chip sales are at record highs. So you can't tell me that there's been a supply problem there. The problem is demand has gone way in excess of an already booming market, and that is down to fiscal and monetary stimulus. So you mm. can argue that things are being overstimulated. You can also argue that there's inflation in asset prices, and, and they, they themselves can have Yes, the Bank of England is all in favor of arguing there's a wealth effect there, but there's also a negative impact if those if th- those share prices ever come down. You can also get capital misallocation because people buy things at the wrong price or get suckered into backing projects that aren't necessarily going to be very good. So there are costs there as well. So I, I, I'm not entirely convinced, and I'm fascinated that uh, Paul Tudor Jones, not a stupid man, a very rich one, founder of one of the world's most successful hedge funds, he's described current global monetary policy as, I think... Um, was it the most inappropriate he's ever seen? Which a fairly strong language coming from a very, very smart person. Yes. Uh, let us just quickly pause for breath and then we'll look at this in more detail. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Uh, you're listening to the Financial Outlook for Private Investors on ShareReady, where I'm in conversation with Russ Mould of AJBL. So, I mean, Russ, the very simplistic definition of why inflation occurs in the first place is too much money chasing too few goods. And, you know, I mean, you just that, really yeah. said that. So, I mean, to, to many observers, inflation is going to be around and stubborn for a while, even if it possibly disappears. But surely the whole role of the Monetary Policy Committee is to make sure that inflation will. I mean, it. Its remit is to make sure inflation doesn't go above two percent. Well, they're already I mean, they're already above that. the and curve the, on the, that, the, aren't the they? The statement today says that they're looking for more clarity on the labour market and more clarity on inflation. So I, 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 there is a danger. Therefore, we're going to be using phrases like horse, door, stable, bolt. Well, oh, oh, you know, that was exactly the phrase. Yes, the stable lad <laughs> was going to say, "I'm looking for more sta- clarity <laughs> on the position of the horse." So he I, may I be hiding that, somewhere. That, yeah, that, that that is 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 clearly a risk, and I, I think the issue is. At the moment, policymakers, and one would argue politicians, and we can then get into the tossing the debate of whether the central banks really are independent or not. But at the moment, if you hold up the the twin dangers of inflation and unemployment, right now the bigger bugbear in the minds of central bankers and politicians is unemployment. And that's been the case for a while, and it's certainly been the case since the pandemic. Uh, And I think that is... Therefore, they're prepared to take a chance on inflation. Now, we've been here before, early 1970s, barber boom. Uh, There was no independent bank. There was a Bank of England, but they didn't set policy. The Chancellor of the Exchequer did. Um, And, you know, the Federal Reserve in the US, again, the view was unemployment was the bigger worry. And all right, there were then unexpected things along the way, like two oil price shocks in the 1970s. But inflation rips as a result you then go to the 1980s 1990s and the 2000s where we were we actually inflation was seen as the bigger danger and that there was as there was a view therefore that while unemployment is not great it was actually to some degree an acceptable price to pay to offset the damage that inflation can do to people's wealth which it clearly did in the 1970s and early 1980s and that pendulum has now swung again to whereby unemployment is seen as the bigger danger so at some stage we're looking for the trigger point and we clearly aren't there yet as far as central bankers are concerned, even with only inflation running at five, six percent and with unemployment already at five and below. I guess the thing is, if you look at the 1970s, there were three or four waves. So I think it, you know, by dint of maths, 
you will probably see the inflation rate slow at some stage, but you won't see it go. I'd be shocked if it went negative and it won't take much for that to keep going if you get wage increases. And we're seeing the first strikes in America for 20, 30 years in some states right now. I've just been through a strike here in my adopted hometown of Brighton where the bin men have been on strike and you know they've got a pay rise and frankly fair play to them. Um, and that the Brighton Council says, well, we've given it to the bin men, we're going to have to give it to everybody else. So you, you are starting to see that cycle build. And I think what's, what's we've all got to be careful of with, with economics is that you're dealing with people. They don't always necessarily think in rational ways. And you don't always necessarily get what you would expect as outcomes that you can predict from a model. And it's, it's the old Yogi Berra gag about baseball. You know, baseball is... 90% mental, the other half's physical. And it's the same with infl- it's the same with inflation. Once people become accustomed to paying high prices and think they can because they're getting wage rises, that's when the cycle becomes reinforcing. And that's what you saw in the 70s. Yeah. Well, and inflation, and inflation in such a heavily indebted society, which we've never experienced this much debt before, is going to be extraordinary. So the, the important question the is... It suits yeah. the government down to the ground that's yeah. inflation because it deflates the t- GDP number. Yeah. It actually makes them look quite... Well, good. So y- I, yes, I except, think, of course, government debt that's going to be a problem because now so much of it is actually linked to inflation. Well, yes, I, I do own some linkers, I'm delighted to hmm. say. So Although I have been diddled already because I've already moved from the RPI to the CPI. Yeah. So there has of been course. The, there has been the traditional... It depends whether they owe us, owe, us, owe us money or we owe them money. But, but, but I, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say that the inflation... that the inflation story is played out yet. It, it, it clearly isn't. And from a market perspective, I mean, the bank might be right. I, I'm only one person sat here in an office in Brent. The bank might be right. They've got access to far more data than I have. But they're already slightly saying, you know, admitting it could go on for a bit longer than they thought. And I think from an equity market perspective and a, and a financial market perspective, financial markets are still really siding with the bank's view that it is going to be temporary, that we are going to get a Goldilocks economy. Because, yes, you've seen commodities outperform for the last 12 months. But if you look at commodities relative to equities over the last 10 years, they're still at 20-year relative lows. You know, so I think in that respect, that, that trade that's worked well in the last 12 months could run a heck of a lot further if inflation does become entrenched. So should investors simply stip, sit tight for the moment rather than taking we, – we had, I think, was it last night the Dow hit a record high again? I, 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 I think – because of the global de- indebtedness that you correctly referred to, I still think that rates will be held below inflation for a long time to come, even if they start creeping higher. And I guess you're in the realms of, well, what rate will it take to make people, to, for, equity, mm. for, for equities to stumble? You know, weight stops resources, as I know, handicaps. Weight eventually stops trains if you put enough weight on it. And eventually interest rates will stop equities. Mm. But it's a matter of at what tipping point nobody knows but I think you're a long way from it right now. You're probably looking at something north of at least 2% in nominal terms and certainly something positive in real terms. And we're a long way away from that. So I wouldn't want to back off too much from equity. I think we will get more volatility. I would expect a change in market leadership away from growth, the value, jam tomorrow to jam today, if you did get inflation. So I think the mix would change, but it wouldn't necessarily mean that equities would go down per se. Um, I would like to have a little bit of cash laying about because I think it brings optionality and it, and it mm. does give you a chance if there is volatility. I would be wary of bonds. Um, you know, if you owned the UK 10-year gilt at the yield low of 0.18% in January, uh, at the high, the yield got to 1.2%. So that was an 8% price move. So you lost 44 years worth of interest in nine months, which on a 10-year bond will take an awful lot of getting back, quite frankly. Yes. So I, I'm not saying that bonds 
are all bad, but I'm just saying that the, they're in theory the safest part of your portfolio, and they're the, probably the one where the risk reward skew is most skews towards risk right now in an inflationary scenario, if that makes sense. So I think that's where I would be nervous. Let's put it that way. We live in strange times. We well, it's a subject we will come back to again and again, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, Russ, thank you very much. I've been uh, talking to Russ Moe, Investment Director of AJ Bell. We've been talking about the financial outlook for personal investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.